Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today, we're speaking with Anna Hearn from Haven Wellness, a body positive yoga studio in Sydney, Australia, that promotes health at every size. In this episode, we discuss body positivity, thin privilege and ageism, as well as Anna's advice on starting a yoga studio and giving clients an amazing experience. We hope you enjoy the episode, and if you're enjoying the podcast, help us to reach more female founders by leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify. It would mean so much to us. Thank you. Hi, Anna. How are you? Hey, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Um, So for everyone listening today, we have quite a hilarious setup. So because of COVID regulations, um, Anna is in the next room. (laughs) (laughs) So we are calling in from one room away. Yeah. (laughs) Typical of COVID times. Oh, yeah. But it's so great to have a guest actually come in and... and and into the studio in Sydney. It's yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. It's lovely compared to all the Zoom sessions. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we have to stand six feet away, we're happy you're here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So you are the founder of Haven Wellness, which is a body positive yoga studio. But before we kind of jump into that, which I'm so excited to talk to you about, we'd love to know all about you, where you grew up and what's brought you here in your career and, mm-hmm. and, and everything. So. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, well, look, I would start by saying that like many women, um, as a child, I got the message about how bodies were kind of meant to be and look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that bodies, larger bodies were not deemed attractive or healthy um, or desirable mm-hmm. and often, you know, really shamed and something to be um, laughed at and to be judged. And that message as a young girl um, who, you know, I felt like I was in a kind of chubby body and definitely compared to my uh, my lovely older and smaller sisters, uh, you know, I really kind of internalised that message. Mm-hmm. So for a kind of shy child, I think, and somebody who was quite sensitive, I, I took that on. And my relationship with food and body took a kind of downward turn when I was about 10 or 11 from memory and I started dieting. So that kind of set off decades of a pretty disordered relationship with food and and my body Mm. Uh, and one that was, um, you know, I was always trying to fix, I was always trying to change it and I just, you know, I tried everything under the sun to try to kind of fix myself, fix my body, change and control my body, which is what I thought would, you know, lead me to, to peace. And um, it wasn't the case. And when I was in my, uh, I guess, 30s was when I discovered health at every size and the non-diet approach. Mm. I started learning about body positivity and diving into that, um, learning about weight stigma and the, the negative effects of that, learning about thin privilege and, you know, my own thin privilege. Uh, and that's when things really shifted for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what kind of drove my um 
Well, actually, j- just to let you know, Haven was was almost a mistake. I mean, it was an accident. It wasn't something that I set out to create. So from all these things that I was learning and I was becoming really passionate about myself for my own journey, I couldn't help but take that on professionally as a, um, a trainer, kind of fairly new to the industry. So that's kind of how Haven was really born. Wow. So were you um, a fitness trainer in your 20s or did you have a completely different career at that point? No, I had a different career. Um I started uh, building an interest in fitness in my late 20s. Mm. Um, Before that, I had been uh, kind of running or supporting small, crazy, creative business owners. So I was always a PA or an EA, an office manager, and the person who did a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was, you know, the right-hand woman to my my employers. And I did all sorts of really cool and interesting jobs. I worked in fashion. I worked in... uh, with a really topped uh, hair colorist and I worked with a um, fashion company in London. So I did all sorts of um, interesting sort of industries that were really creative. And I guess from there, I learned a lot about what goes into managing small businesses. So that, that's been really, really, um, you know, powerful and helpful for me starting off Haven. Yeah. Wow. That, that's like all the kind of skills that you need to have your own studio and, and manage yeah. that. Yeah, I think I'm really lucky because a lot of people do start off in the fitness industry and you hear about this a lot that people, um, you know, start off as a PT, but they don't last more than three months. Mm -hmm. um, And that's because they don't have that business skill background. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a blessing for me when I look back to my kind of quirky career. Definitely. And you're originally from New Zealand. How did you come here to Sydney? Yeah, sure. Um, I came to Sydney following my older sister. Um, as a, I think I was early 20s, I was maybe 20, 21. And it's kind of the trajectory as a Kiwi. Um, Often you will, you know, jump over the Tasman and spend a year or two in Sydney and save up some money and then go travelling over to Europe. Um, (laughs) And that was the plan for me initially. But what happened was I kind of got stuck here. I, um, you know, I was working these interesting jobs and that and... um, I was here until I I think I took my first big trip actually when I was 30 and I went to New York and it was from there that I decided, you know what, I need to go and spend a couple of years overseas. I need to kind of get that out of my system now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I spent a couple of years in London. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think part of um, jumping over, like um, taking off to London was to have the sense of autonomy because I was still really thick in, um, you know, my disordered relationship with food and body and, Mm. you know, having that autonomy and being able to um, get away from life as I knew it. And my community was um, something I think I I kind of needed and I, I built... Uh, an interesting community over there. I started, that's how I got into running. Mm -hmm. So I had started to dabble in in fitness here. Mm. Um, And of course, like many of us, I started with fitness because for the sole purpose of trying to change my body, trying to Mm. manipulate it and make it small and control it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I started off with hot yoga and started with a personal trainer and getting into running. Mm. And then when I lived in London, do you know what? I mean, you might know this from being over that way. It was it was really depressing. the mm. The winters were really challenging. Yeah, yeah. And um, I started running, and although it was like kind of the desire to change my body that kicked it off, what kept me coming was um, how it really supported me with anxiety and feeling really quite down and and homesick and yeah. and managing yeah my relationship with food and body as well. So, at what point do you think you 
or was it even a particular point where you switched your mindset from thinking of fitness as the way to make yourself smaller and, and trying to control eating and stuff and to move more into the wellness space and, and have it as like a positive thing? Was there a one moment or is it over a period of time? Yeah, a little bit of both, I think. I mean, discovering the health at every size approach and the non-diet approach was like a light bulb for me. So as I came across that, I came across it from another um, HAYS. So HAYS is the acronym for health at every size. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I learned from yeah, another HAYS body positive personal trainer. Gotcha. And, um, and and she was based in Melbourne. So I realised there wasn't many of us around here. And um, it just, like I said, it was so, it was like a light bulb. It, fa- it made such sense to me. And I just realised there was another way that I could be with my body that was much kinder. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'd just gotten to the point of, I was tired of the mental and emotional uh, drain and challenge of, yeah. of being in this headspace. So... Yeah, I just let it all go. I, I just started pursuing peace rather than p- the pursuit of controlling perfection. my body. Yeah, yeah exactly. Perfection. Yeah. <laughs> and you. yeah, it's really powerful to do that. Yeah, I have so many. So you've you've traveled, obviously, right, before yeah. you did all of this. So mm-hmm. did you notice cultural, because I certainly have, um, did you notice cultural differences and within the expectations that um, are put on a woman's body in different countries or cultures? And if so, how did that influence you, if at all? Mm-hmm. Great question. But kind of sadly, I think that the expectations on women's bodies are, are the same everywhere I've been. There's mm-hmm. a, a heavy focus on aesthetics yeah. and smaller is generally, it's always better um, or considered better. Yeah. Um, I, I spent uh, some time in Nepal last year and we oh, had such a wonderful time and I couldn't believe it though because even the lovely Nepalese yoga teachers were sharing messages about, um, you know, shrinking your body and if you, you know, do this wow. so many times and for so many months, you will too get the small belly and this kind of wow. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's really, it's universal. You know, okay, so I was a yoga instructor on the side for, mm-hmm. for many, many years. Oh, cool. Um, but part of it was driven by the fact that I was a mo- I've been a mother since I was 22. Wow. And I didn't want to look like a mom. Mm, I didn't right. want to mm-hmm. have a quote-unquote mom bod with like mm-hmm. a loose belly or, you know, whatever. I was always chasing this perfection, mm-hmm. you know, and being really hard on myself, to be quite honest, for a woman with two kids. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just so common, like they... Uh, you know, everyone right now Mm -hmm. glorifies this unrealistic, like Mm -hmm. bounce right back after you have a baby, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do it, you know, work hard, work harder. Mm -hmm. It's just so, and it's just not, I don't see it going away. Like I see a body positive movement, but I still Mm -hmm. see so much of that everywhere we look and it's so damaging. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I mean, I meet so many women that come through the doors at Haven and that's a really common rhetoric. Um, It's a common thread. And so we've all sort of absorbed the messages somehow that it's not okay to let our bodies change. And I think part of the message that we share at Haven is around honouring and accepting and you know that's a that's a tr- tricky thing it's not easy but um, just honouring that your body is where it's at now and celebrate and, and take care of this body now rather than the body that you had or the body you would like to have but try to keep bringing it back to self-care mm-hmm. in this moment um, and really challenge those messages about 
you know, that society gives us about how bodies are meant to be. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, so my first two kids were born in my 20s, right? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how differently I feel about it now. Mm. It's like, I, because I'm expecting my third, there's a massive oh, gap. Congratulations. Like, thank you. Between the second and the third, though, there mm-hmm. will be 12 years. Wow. Um, so, or almost 12 years. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, massive but it's crazy i don't know if it's age or the times or some of this body positive positivity movement but this time i'm much more like yes i want to stay healthy and in shape and you know look after my fitness mm-hmm. of course mm-hmm. but holy shit look at this thing that my body's doing yeah. wow and it's like this incredible awe of yourself rather than her, like hatred towards yourself yeah that's wonderful and I think that is probably a reflection of um, both of those things like you know age I think from what I've seen with women that I've worked with Mm. you know we we do shift our perceptions as we get older and things that meant so much at um, when we were younger um, have changed a little Mm. but also yeah we are seeing more of the body positive movement and and, and that's, that's great. I mean, I think Instagram can be really challenging and really problematic, but it Oof. can also be, if it's used in, in the right way, it can be really, um, really helpful when you're working on healing your relationship with your body. Mm. If you um, sort of cull out the things that don't support you, mm. um, you know, all the fitspo messages, but if you welcome in all the body positive and plus size models and just lots of diversity and mm-hmm. lots of different color bodies and lots of different mm. shapes and sizes and textures, um, that's really, really helpful. Do you know what I think is so brave and beautiful? And I know Sylvie's got a question and I've spoken mm-hmm. like three times, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but this, I'm just so intrigued and inspired. Um, when women post those things on social media and they're like, this is my body and this mm-hmm. is also my body. And it's like them on a bloated day or them with their cellulite out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so they're normalizing it for other women. I think that is one of the kindest things and mm. bravest things that women can do. Yeah, and I think that's that's correct. And um, that's a, something that I recommend to people who are working on body images to look at those kind of um, images and recognise that all bodies um, can look different from day to day. Mm. And, and yeah, bodies change moment to moment, day to day. Yeah. What, what would you say to someone who, because there is an argument in the body positive community at the moment that the term body positivity has been hijacked mm-hmm. by thin, white mm-hmm. Instagram mm-hmm. models mm-hmm. and that they... Are they also blonde? Yes. <laughs> and that actually it was a term for the plus-size community mm-hmm. and now people in the plus-size community actually feel like they're like disconnected from the term mm-hmm. because of this, you know, kind mm-hmm. of... I guess it's just become, like, mass market. Like Correct. <laughs> yeah, I think... Um, I think this is true, unfortunately, and uh, it's correct that the body positive movement was designed or was created by um, women who, um, you know, in the fat positive movement back in, I believe, the 60s. -hmm. And so it was started for the women whose bodies are marginalised. And now it has been something adopted by um, people profiting off this. Mm -hmm. So you'll see campaigns using, um, you know, so-called plus size models. um, And sometimes things like, for example, I think it was Calvin Klein last year did a shoot where they showed a plus size model, but they didn't even stock that size clothing. Um, So this kind of thing does happen. And I think that the message is that we we see enough, there's a real surplus of small, thin, traditionally attractive, um, you know, ideal bodies. And Mm -hmm. we just don't need to see more of them. We need to see diversity Mm -hmm. and we need to keep, um, you know, shining a spotlight on that um, rather than, you know, this... um, 
the thin idea which ha- has been given so much um, uh, visibility already. Yeah. You've mentioned thin privilege. Can mm-hmm. you just explain what that means? Yes, please do. Yeah, sure. So thin privilege is... Um, it's, it's recognising, understanding the privilege that we have um, for those of us in smaller bodies. Um, somebody in a larger body who, some, somebody in a larger body isn't, um, do, isn't you know, given. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody in a larger body might walk through their life with, faced with lots of stigma and things like being unable to walk into a, you know, any just, any dress shop and be able to fit into the clothing. Mm. Um, you know, they might need to shop at specific clothes, mm. uh, you know, online stores, or they can't fit into, um, the, you know, furniture doesn't fit their bodies. Um, all these kind of things which seem like that we take for granted, you know, in smaller bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a real thing that people in larger bodies face. So... I think it's really important to recognise this. And I, I bring this up with all the clients that come in as um, newcomers to Haven because uh, whether or not they're in a smaller or a large body, I think it's really important to shed light and show that weight stigma is a real thing. And it's actually really, really damaging for people's health, those in bigger bodies. Mm, especially yeah. like even in like employment situations or yeah, the kind exactly. of stigma around if you are fat then you're lazy or like you're not motivated and and then you know being denied opportunities because of that yeah that's right it comes across in all sorts of areas I'd like to talk a little bit I'd like to touch on ageism as well Mm -hmm. like ageism with bodies like not accepting the way our bodies naturally age it's Mm -hmm. like I'm becoming more and more aware of this Mm -hmm. and it's like some of the most beautiful women walking the planet like the most stunning women are in their 60s and 70s and my mother said the most heartbreaking thing to me she was um turning 60 not too long ago and I said mom how do you feel like how do you and she's like oh it's okay I don't mind getting and becoming invisible Wow. She said that to me. And again, my mom was raised in the Midwest and a Mm -hmm. conservative and, you know, conservative-ish part of America. And it tends to be a bit more, Mm -hmm. you know, um, let's say patriarchal Mm, and kind of glorify this like young, sexy model, but then kind of ignore other types of women. Um, And it's just, you know, it's the culture has taught her that she is invisible. And that's Mm -hmm. so sad to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's kind of um, tied into the whole body positive movement for sure. And um, it's once you start doing this kind of work, you realise there are um, all sorts of minorities when it comes to bodies that are, um, you know, there are all these kind of isms like, you know, sexism and racism and mm. ageism and, and even healthism, like this sort of hierarchy of mm. if you are if you pursue health and you're a better person. Um, so, yeah, it's really helpful to be aware of this. And what we talk about at Haven is... You know, just reminding people that, yes, your body is going to change and age is something, it's the one thing that we can't deny. We're all um, going to experience this. So there's, you know, there's real beauty in kind of honouring and accepting and moving through life with that that mindset, which is much more kinder than sort of trying to reject and um, push back on ageing by, you know, buying into all the products that tell us that we can look a certain way and we'll be more um, successful and attractive if we are youthful and smaller. Mm, if you could see the amount of money that I've spent on eye cream, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. It's so refreshing to speak with someone who has a yoga studio and fitness centre that is focused on this. Yeah. Like, it's very different. It's almost like 
it's a brilliant niche. Yeah. Was that something that you ever intended for the studio, or did you did you think, oh, this is a great way to differentiate myself? Yeah. Um, well, like I said earlier, I didn't actually plan to open a studio. Mm. So what actually happened was, as I learned about health every size and the non diet approach, adopted it myself, and then you know couldn't help but. Um, you know, as a personal trainer, I was working from another uh, women's studio, which was a traditional, you know, studio with a focus on selling protein shakes and measuring your clients every month and that, you know, that kind of thing. And then I started to bring in my message and trying to invite in my clients to be a little more compassionate with their bodies and um, sort of challenge them about what it meant to to them to, to want to weigh themselves and, and to use a tape measure. Mm-hmm. Um and the other trainers, of course, were giving the traditional message and it just felt too conflicting. Yeah. Uh, so that's how Haven was born. I thought, you know what, I'm going to find a space where I can take my clients and guarantee that there's no diet culture. And I really didn't know if I even wanted to stay in fitness. I was, um, you know, recently, you know, hadn't been a PT for too long. Um, and I just didn't know if it was for me. I knew that I had a desire to help women and, and get this kind of message out there, but I just didn't want to do it in the traditional fitness space. Mm. So I found a, a, a space and it was, um, you know, it was very, it was a really quick um a quick move. I kind of found it on, I remember it was like the 29th of November. It was my dad's birthday. Oh. And then um, I had signed the lease by the 6th of December and I opened Haven on the 15th of January. So it was, yeah, it was very quick moving, nothing really planned. But I think all those years of working with, um, you know, being a jack of all trades in other um, creative businesses really helped me. Yeah. And what year was this? This was 2018. Oh, wow. So you've been going two years almost. Yeah. Uh, three we'll be, years. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. be three this January. Oh yeah. But what was great was that um, I was very, very, very clear on my message. And look, it's evolved a little, but uh, I knew absolutely that I wanted to rule out any diet culture. Mm-hmm. I made the decision pretty quickly to have no mirrors. And I remember having conversations with people and, you know, like people sometimes you'll take on influence influences from other people and um, I had to kind of justify my just decision to have no mirrors yeah. and I found that um, although I can appreciate the benefit of having mirrors for you know alignment and working with form mm-hmm. I found that the type of clients that I wanted to work with and obviously with the focus on body image it was just way more beneficial to not have the um, distraction of looking at yourself in a mirror especially mm-hmm. when you've got a bad relationship with your body um that was much more beneficial than you know having it how did you first get clients to come to haven was it something that you you know you already had like your your pt clients from before that you were working with or how did you spread the word um well, there's something I want to touch on there. Before I um, opened Haven and before I was working at the the previous um, couple of gyms, um, I was a mobile trainer. And when I started off being a mobile trainer, I literally um, got all my clients, my first week of clients, in with with this one kind of um, offering. And what I did was I thought about the type of clients that I wanted to work with and where they were and like where they sort of hung out online. And I knew. Before this is before I knew about body positivity and health at every size. I knew though that I wanted to work with women and women who were maybe a bit sort of uh, intimidated by traditional gyms or a bit shy. Maybe they couldn't get away from their home, you know, mums, stay at home mums and that kind of mm. thing. So I reached out to a, a, a mums group on Facebook 
And it was a pretty big group. And I just offered them uh, an offer. I said, hey, I'm a a new trainer. I'm looking to work with um, one woman one-on-one and um, get to know her over six weeks and offer, yeah, like a free free package um, as a new trainer. So that generated, I think, about 45 replies. And I spoke to everyone uh, on the phone and I got a bit of a gauge for who were my kind of people and who I could help. And then... um, I offered one person the the sort of the prize of the the free training. Wow. Yeah, but then I just took on so many more as as new clients. So I still offered them a um, reduced rate, and as a new trainer, I was you know more than happy to do that because I felt like I was still learning um, and working with a mentor on that. So that's pretty much how I got my first um, week of clients and. You know, I think that even back then I had a bit of a niche in a way because I was a pro- because I'm naturally a little bit more softer than maybe your traditional trainer where mm. there's that no pain no gain push 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 approach. Yeah. So that was well received. That's such a good idea. Like it's so simple. Just yeah. going onto a Facebook group, finding your target market, doing the outreach and not being afraid to ask. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. That's yeah. something I think people could just, definitely take away from as a tip. Yeah, for sure. It just mm. really worked for me. I just think I was quite clear and I offered them something that was really valuable to them. Mm. Yeah. If someone was kind of listening to this and thinking of starting their own fitness studio or Mm -hmm. training business anywhere in the world, Mm because we have listeners from all over, Mm -hmm. what do you think are the biggest watch outs that you experienced when you were setting up? Um, I made, well, at the start, when it came to Haven, when I found that studio space and I just went, you know, head down, bum up straight into it, um, I it felt very organic. So I didn't feel like I was coming up against any roadblocks. Mm. Um, it was really a smooth transition. And to be honest, for that entire um, first year, it, where I got into trouble was with my lease and my landlord, who was really the kind of person that I would never, ever do business with again. Yeah. Um, I've since moved into a new premise. Um, but the things that I've learned along the way are listen to your instincts. So listen to your gut. It is, you know, if you have a good relationship with your um, intuition, like I feel I do, um, it's got a lot of good wisdom for you. So there were a few times where I think when I was under pressure, under facing a bit of anxiety, which is something that's really um, familiar to me. And uh, obviously with COVID, there's been a lot of challenges there with the lockdown and that. Mm. So when I have been under that pressure, I've been maybe disregarding, like not like kind of overriding my intuition and not making decisions really clearly from a space where I feel really connected with that. Yeah. Um, and also taking on the influence of other other people, you know, well-meaning people who have good advice, but perhaps for their business, not so much for my specific business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. You have to look internally to make your own decision. Like people can share their opinions, but at the end of the day, it's your life and your business and you have to trust yourself. For sure. Mm, That's awesome. What's your advice to women who are struggling with their body image and say that someone in the US who's listening who doesn't, who can't come to Haven, Mm -hmm. which sounds like the most amazing studio. Thank you. What's your advice to them if they want to, you know, get into fitness and are scared to yeah um that's a great question i think there is there's so much online that's available now i think for me what's been really powerful through my whole journey and even before i got into this approach um finding community that support you in 
um, what what is going to serve you. So finding a community, whether that be in person, wherever they are, or online, um, and there, there's so many people doing work in this space now. So I found um, a community of you know, fellow professionals in this space, which has been so wonderful. And just by obviously building up networks in that on through Facebook groups and Instagram and reaching out to people. And yeah, that, that would be my number one tip. I mean, at the studio, that was something I really wanted to carry through at Haven. Mm. Community has been so important to me. So we do have um, a, a pretty tight, close-knit community and it's a space where people feel really comfortable to open up. You know that you're in good company where people are uh, on the same page as you. There's yeah. no judgments. You know that people might have been through the same body image stuff as you or food stuff and it just feels like a really safe space to be. Mm. But I think you can find that online too. Definitely. Did you have to pivot online during the pandemic? At Correct. All? Yes, yeah. definitely. We jumped straight online. I made a pretty fast um, decision to go straight online and I approached our members and said, hey, this is what we're doing, just transferring everything online and if you have some challenges, anything you want to talk to me about, you want to shift your, change up your membership, cancel, pause, come and chat with me. Mm -hmm. um, and we were just so lucky we had such a beautiful community. Uh, I mean, uh, the members that are attracted to Haven are very, uh, you know, they're just very cool. They're a really compassionate, lovely, mm -hmm. warm, interesting bunch of people and they supported us online and we we had so much fun hanging out with them online yeah yeah it was really like I remember when we were in the kind of midst of lockdown just mm -hmm. really craving community and sharing yeah experiences with other people yeah and it was a bit of a novelty at the start and then you know it did wear off a little I think we we're in our you know third month or so yeah. and um the you know, the surplus of time on screens was getting to people. So we were very lucky that we got to move into our new space then mm -hmm. and it was received with open arms. It was really lovely to see people back in person. Yeah, definitely. What are your goals for Haven in, in 2021? I think just uh, getting our message out to the people who really, really, really need it. So we, uh, I'm quite open with people to let them know um Haven is for the people who are looking for something different, for those who are maybe a little intimidated by traditional gyms or who resonate with having a disordered relationship with food or body they want to work on. They don't want to be around traditional gym culture. Mm. Um, so, you know, if we get people who sort of float in that might be just looking for the nearest yoga studio or, you know, they just want to shake their booty somewhere, <laughs> we might not be the place for them. They they might not get the full value of being um, part of our crew. So I know there are so many more women and people who want to, who really need what we offer. So I think just growing our community in that way and continuing to support them. Um, because we've moved into our beautiful new big warehouse, which is a really lovely space, we are, we're about three times the size of what we were. Wow. Yeah, so we have a lot more room to welcome in uh, more members and we've been seeing our classes grow and adding on new classes to accommodate and still keep our intimate sort of class size nice and, nice and small. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... Haven's just about supporting our community and helping our members feel um, cared for and feel, you know, like 
that they're able to build a healthful relationship with their body, one that's peaceful and built on compassion. Yeah, and I love the name as well. It just says it all, Haven Wellness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was a fluke finding that name too, and I was really happy with it when I found it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so great to speak with you. If if any listeners want to um, find you, um, what are your social Mm -hmm. handles and website? Thank you. Um, We are... At Haven Wellness Studio mm-hmm. on Instagram and uh, Haven Wellness on Facebook. And our website is havenwellness.com.au. And um, people can, if they're in Sydney, they can reach out and pop in for a, a cup ring consult. So that's a chance to sit down one on one for me to learn a little bit about them and, you know, hear about their relationship with gyms and exercise mm. and movement and their, their body and food. And, um, find out how we can best support them um, so they can do that. And if they're not in Sydney and they just want to get some advice or I can perhaps put them in touch with some of my network, which, you know, it's, it's a growing network all over the world, um, people can, you know, reach out to me that by um, email or Instagram or whatever as well, no problem. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Anna. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to speak with you. You too. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere, at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19%.